Hey, I'm Allison Hare, and welcome to Little Left of Center, the podcast that interviews culture changers that are reshaping our world and breaking new ground. Today's guest on Little Left of Center is Kim Shaper. Kim is a metabolic and hormone reset expert and fitness coach. She has gone from anorexic to obese and back to a much healthier state. And through her harrowing journey and extensive research and experience, she has become an influencer to help create lives that are confident-filled, obsession-free, and fun. I was literally pumping my arms in the air during our interview. She was so authentic, she was so relatable, and rapid-firing such useful information. You are going to love her. Today on Little Left of Center, we are here with Kim Shaper, and I'm so excited to have you here. You're like the 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 woman behind the curtain. You're like the Wizard of Oz because Kim is Kim is an online. Let me see if I can say this properly, but an online metabolic and hormone reset health coach. Special. You nailed it. Did yes, I really good job. It? <laughs> you did, and that's okay. I mean, it's I, I kind of like a, a a jack of all trades, if you will. So I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me, and I love it that you just started this and look at where it's already <laughs> gone. And everyone is so lucky to have you and to be able to listen to this. So thank, thank you so you. much. It's an honor to oh be my able goodness. to participate. Thank, thank you. you so much, and thank you, um, thank you for being on here. It's it's funny because I've been following you for the. Uh, uh, for a few months and my girlfriend Isabel Dupree mm-hmm. had talked and we we share a lot of information she's one of my very closest friends and I trust what she has to say and she's been in the you know like the fitness competition world and she's like you've got to you've got to follow Kim Shaper have you heard of her yet that's so sweet <laughs> and and she's like the girl is real she knows what she's talking about she's very well versed and she's really helped me and I think it'll resonate with you. And when I started following you, it it was something different. I mean, there's so much bullshit on Instagram, especially in the fitness world of people trying to push fit tea and, you know, um, yes. you know, like people, yes. <laughs> people that are doing online coaching and there is a place, I guess, for all of it. But my my burning question was, how do you navigate? How do you have such an honest view and be able to still to cater and, and educate and be so gracious with your education on Instagram and still remain authentic? That's such a good question. And I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, you know, I, I think from day one, I told myself that whatever happens to this, I'm going to stay true to who I am and stay true to my mission and what I stand for and what I have gone through. Uh, my the, the most important piece in all this is if I just say one thing that impacts another female, then I've done my job. And, you know, it's funny because I've been in the space for about four years now. And for the first few years, I was very scared. I was afraid to use my voice. Um, I didn't know if it was a right way or a wrong way. And I remember I got to a point, I pretty, pretty vividly remember this a couple years back, I looked at my husband and I said, you know what, I'm just going to be 100% who I am. I'm super goofy. I um, I'm inappropriate. I I do all (laughs) these things and I can't fake it. And so I'm just going to show up and be exactly who I am. And so I just for me, it's important to be the same person online as I am in person. And once I made that shift, and there wasn't that fear behind it, I lost a lot of followers because I do have my quirks, yet I also gained a ton of trust and um, just really was able to kind of sort through the people that really weren't for me. And that's great. And so now I just I feel really good about where things are. So thanks. Oh, sure. So I know that you had started out as a personal trainer. How did you move from doing it in real life and doing it online? So where did it begin four years ago? Gosh, great question. So you know, if if you want, I can back up a little bit. Um, prior to girl, the, you know, the, I'm gonna back. Okay, up. okay, I'm I'll back wait all I'll the wait. way up. <laughs> Wait for that. Try to warm it up. No, yeah, no, no. Go good. ahead. So you know, so um, this I, I is was your doing, show, Kim. Please. No, no, no. <laughs> I was doing in-person training since. 2010 part I would say I really started 2005 but I was 
really engulfed in my own eating disorder issues. So I wouldn't say I invested until 2010 with my clients. And um, I love doing in person. It was very cathartic and therapeutic for me. At the same time, I knew deep down I, I could impact more women rather than just in the confines of the gym. And so over time, I noticed I was starting to check out a little bit that my mind was wanting to go more to creative outlets and thinking, okay, how can I hit more women? How can I share more of this? And I hired a business coach and she was in the same position that I was six or seven years prior. So she really helped coach me and, and taught me the way how to kind of transition more of my business online. And uh, the, the first few years, it, it was a challenge because I think people think, oh, wow, you know, if, if you're an online coach and you do all these things, it's amazing and it's not hard. And it's really only two or 3% actually follow through because the first few years of the business, I mean, you're hustling hard and no one's listening. And I remember there was days I would be online and I would get maybe one like, or it would just be crickets. And, and I kept saying to myself, all How'd right, you keep doing it. I just, I just told my myself, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And then it's it slowly but surely started to, to work itself out. So I'm very fortunate to be in the spot. Where did that drive come from? Uh, that's a good question. I think I've always been pretty resilient, especially from just my past of a lot of the stuff I've gone through. And I do feel like a part of it is played with my athleticism growing up. And um, just my dad is very driven and I respect him a bunch. And I think I've, I've got some of those habits from him. So I think that's probably been part of it. So I think your origin story is really fascinating. And, you know, like I was sharing with you before we turned the mics on, mm -hmm. that Isabella shared that I need to follow you. And then when I started to dig in and found out about your story of being anorexic, and then going to obesity. I mean, you just go for the gold in either direction. <laughs> right, yeah. And being yeah. In, you know, but I'm, I'm so curious to hear how did you get from one extreme to the other and pull yourself out to a place where you truly are a beacon of, of light and information and help to people. But I, I'd love to hear more of the story if you're willing to share. Sure, oh my gosh, thank you for asking. Oh gosh, okay, so long story short, um, I would say middle school, high school, I was very active. I was on the cross country team, played soccer and tennis, and I never really had issues with food. Um, I just enjoyed it and it was just normal. Um, when I went off to college my first year, I gained like the traditional freshman 15. And I'd never lifted weights in my life. I mean, I would lift uh, periodically here and there with my cross country team. But I came home and I thought, you know what, I'm going to get a trainer. And I'd never had a trainer before. So I found this trainer and uh, he's an interesting bird. Uh, I think that's why I got into the field because I was really upset about how everything transpired. However, um, I hired this trainer, worked with him all summer before I went back to my second year of college. And I remember him um, putting me on a diet is five foods. So it was a five food diet and I'd never done anything like this before. So I thought, whoa, okay, well, let me get this a shot. And because it was my first time, my body responded very well. I'd never dieted before. And um, I thought, wow, okay, I've got to keep this up. And I remember I never understood binging until I was restricting. And so what mm. I mean by that is when he was putting me on these this five food plan, I remember on the weekends, I would be really hungry. And I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to eat pizza. And I'm just going to eat this stuff. Because I was malnourished. And I would come in the following Monday, and he would say, you've gained weight, you know, you look swollen, you look puffy, mm. um, we need to lean you out again. And so it created this vicious cycle. And so then I started getting scared to go in and I was starting to hide my food. And um, I really started to isolate myself. And it just it became definitely problematic. And I think one thing to is when we start dropping weight or we start leaning out, if you will, we get a lot of accolades. People are like, yeah. wow, yeah. you look so good. You know, what are you doing differently? You look so amazing. And so you feed into that. And so I went back to college and that was literally my identity. Um, what I noticed now looking back is a big part of my disordered eating went hand in hand with relationships. So I was in abusive relationships mm -hmm. and my, my coping skill was to not eat and to overexercise. And so I would literally run from problems or run from these relationships just to numb out. 
And um, I was in my second year of college, University of Alabama. And my parents came to visit and they said that I bent over and I guess they could see my entire spine and all my bones. And they pulled me out of school and they said, you're not going back. You are way too thin. And um, they put me into a treatment center. And unfortunately, with treatment centers, it's super common. You're just kind of viewed as a number, especially Mm. if they take your insurance. So they want to hurry up, put the weight on you, you know, uh, inundate you with tons of calories and insurers and all this. And then once you get to your healthy weight, it's like, okay, you're fine. You can be out. Um, So I I did that and I got out and I was at a healthy weight, yet I had no coping skills whatsoever. And this is super, super common. Um, What do you mean no coping skills? Yeah. So what I have found just with myself and with a lot of other women I work with, when you become engulfed in this dieting and this body obsession, it's all you know. And so you lose a major sense of your identity as a person. Uh, You become so fixated on your Mm -hmm. external and how you're getting praised. And, um, you know, for me, it was like, okay, how many men can I attract with this body? Or, um, you know, there was so much underlying insecurity and self-esteem issues. And again, I noticed a lot of this with my clients too, is they, they've become so fixated uh, at one point getting healthy, but then taking it to a whole nother level. And so their whole source of identity is purely how they look. And so when that happens, we forget who we are as a woman as, Mm. okay, well, what do we stand for? What are our morals? What are our values? Like, what do we tolerate and what are our boundaries? And, um, So for me, my coping, anytime I was stressed, anytime I was sad, anytime I was happy, it was always, okay, I've got to exercise or I have to undereat or I have to do this. So that was my coping skill. I had no source of um, how to manage my emotions, if that Mm. makes sense. Did it, did you feel any joy when you were working out as an outlet? I did, you know, I did, yet it's a fine line because I think once you get too far down the rabbit hole, Mm -hmm. you're so consumed with how many calories you burn and what you do. It doesn't even become enjoyable anymore. You've become a slave to it and you do it because you feel like you have to not because you really want to. And a lot of us lose sight of the, the importance of movement and the importance of activity and exercise. Yet we, it's a fine line. I've noticed that again with myself and with my clients, it's, it's easy to go down that road and you got to check yourself. It's like, okay, am I doing this because I'm going down this path again, or am I doing it because it feels good? So how did you get out of it? Gosh, or go the other way. (laughs) Yeah. So I did. Right. So I was, uh, I got, I was in and out of seven different treatment centers Mm. over the course of my twenties. So throughout my 20s, that was pretty much my life. Um, And I don't regret it now because it's brought me to where I am. Um, But I I look at a lot of my friends and they were getting married and they were having children. And I was just... It's like an alternate universe. It really was. Yeah. And so what had happened is once I started the refeeding process and was in and out of treatment a few times, um, my, my depression magnified because my body was, was kind of giving me the middle finger. Like, all right, you starved me for two years. I'm not going to allow you to get any of this weight off. Like I'm, you're going to have to sit with this. And, you know, I think also too, Allison was when I was coming out of it, I was so petrified of being hungry. So psychologically I was thinking, oh my gosh, well, I can't be hungry because if I'm hungry again, that means I'm anorexic. Mm. And so even though I was gaining a ton of weight and even though I had just eaten large meals, I would still binge to the point where I would get sick because I was so afraid to be hungry again. And I still thought I was anorexic, even though I was well over a hundred pounds of that from that point. So it, it was all very psychological, no doubt. Um, I don't talk about this often, but I think one of the turning points for me, people say, okay, well, what made you finally switch? And I, this was my, sorry, this was my seventh treatment center. It was called Minigers. And at this time it was in Kansas city and they're very well known for, uh, just like mental stuff, um, cognitive distortions, all that sort of thing. And they didn't focus so much on the eating disorder part. It was more of like the mental piece. 
And my, my family, especially on my mother's side, um, I've suffered from severe depression. She lost both of her parents to suicide. Mm -hmm. Her brother had paranoid schizophrenia. And so there's a lot of history there. And so I always know that I kind of have a bit of a predisposition for depression, but when I went to the center, they put me on a medication that really made a significant difference for me and my brain. And it kind of brought me out of that depression. So I think that wow. started some of the process of kind of coming out of that funk. Um, but I can tell you, I f- was far from healed because I was still chasing the high. I was still chasing the high of okay, well, let me do fitness shows. Okay, let let me do competitive cycling. Okay, let me do um, triathlons. Okay, let me try this diet again. So even though I was getting to a more regulated weight, I was still engaging in behaviors that were not in my best interest. You don't do anything in moderation, do you? Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. I don't. That's been a work in progress. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's funny because we, we... as, as humans put a lot of productivity on what you can do and how accomplished you can be and the accolades, like you said, and it, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out you're on Instagram as, you know, an influencer, which I know is kind of a triggering word for some people, Um, but as, but as an influencer and so much of it is your realness, Mm -hmm. but how, how do you get through with all the fake, you know, uh, I don't know if it's the fake, you know, but just very, very polished, perfect mm-hmm. people where I'm in my 40s mm-hmm. and I open Instagram and I feel like shit about yes. myself. And I'm like, yep. this is stupid. And I have to literally talk myself down right. from yes. it, you know, and it's yes. it's interesting. And I can't imagine people younger than me that may not be as mature and, and mm-hmm. kind of understanding some of those things. And And how do you navigate that? How, how are you so authentic? How do you resonate? I, I honestly, I think I just speak from my heart and whatever feels right. I don't have an exact answer for that. I don't, I just, I just go with what feels right. And I, I talk about sometimes what I'm currently going through and I'll talk about stuff that I've gone through in the past, or I, I really try and think about, okay, what, where was my mindset at at this certain point in my life and how can I articulate that so people don't feel so alone? You know, it's, it's funny. I was, uh, I was actually in vacation with my husband last week and I saw these, these two girls and they're probably in their mid twenties. And, um, I was able to see who they were because they checked in at a certain point we were at. And I was just curious because they spent probably three or four hours at this specific location doing all these crazy poses. Like it was unbelievable, <laughs> Un- like a whole new level. Your eyes thought, are rolling all the way back I'm in like, your head. Holy cow. Like what? The- now that is Instagram a whole new level. And so I looked them up and sure enough, they, they have a ton of followers. And I thought, wow, they're trying so hard to get the perfect shot or, Hey, okay, make sure you, I, you turn this way so you can cover this dimple or you don't have this or this. And I thought, wow, I, I don't want to be like that. Like that is exhausting and that's not reality. And so for me, I would rather just you know, yes, I, I have professional shots, but then I also have pictures of me with carrots up my nose or talking about <laughs> poo or whatever, you know, so it's kind of like a voice of reason and in mm-hmm. a sea of just rainbows and unicorns. But I was in a position a few years ago after I had my kids where my body just wasn't wasn't snapping back the mm-hmm. my body parts weren't in the same place as they were. Let's just say that. Right. Um, and I had I had gone down a rabbit hole where I think I was and I had to have had borderline eating disorder Mm -hmm. where I was measuring everything I put in my mouth. Mm -hmm. I was working out, you know, as hard as I can. I had trainers, nutritionists. I had everything I possibly could. Um, I went and got, um, I had a mommy makeover with Mm -hmm. a plastic surgeon. Yeah. um, And it was horribly botched. And so I had three surgeries to fix it and it's still not, you know, fixed. So it was just, it was insane. And I I couldn't imagine. I went to every specialist I possibly could Mm -hmm. and nothing broke me from the grips of this. Yeah. And except I had a tarot reading 
believe mm-hmm. it or not. Yeah. And it it unwound everything. Really? Yeah. She asked me, She's she said something. Um, it's Kelly Knight, who I've interviewed here before. Yeah. I just, I, uh, I, I look up to her so much. Yeah. But she asked me one question through this tower reading. And she said, what if you replaced all of that time that you spend food prepping and working out and just did something that felt really nourishing? Because I felt like I was a slave to all yes. of it. Like, if I don't work out, I am going to be fat and yeah. I'm going to explode mm-hmm. and everything is, it's that control mm-hmm. thing. And just that one question had me replacing things and I, I no longer weigh myself. It's I, amazing. I can't. But at the same time, like when I think about programs like yours, I, uh, I'm afraid to be on a program again. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how do you individualize trainings Mm -hmm. when you have people that have all different stories, some may be similar to mine, Mm -hmm. some they have conditions. How do you individualize those stories, those programs? Yeah, well, first off, I want you to know that you are so not alone in everything you went through and my heart goes out for you because I, I can only imagine how desperate you felt at that time, um, where you were just pulling at straws where you're like, I will do whatever it takes to get out of this spot. I feel so uncomfortable here. I do have a question for you though. When you were going through all that with the weighing and the measuring and this and that and the trainers, did it make you any happier? No. And I think that's the part that was so crippling for me Mm -hmm. because I would sit and think none of this is doing any good in the world. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm, why am I so consumed? Why is it taking so much real estate in my brain? Mm-hmm. So it was more frustrating than anything because I knew it wasn't making me happy at all. And even mm-hmm. when I would get to whatever weight, whatever BMI, sure. you know. Um, it still wasn't enough, was it? No, but I was yeah. just like, I still... I, I don't look like the models on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I don't look like my body did before I had kids. It was miserable. Right. But letting go felt better. And I'm so proud of you for doing that because I think a huge misconception women think, oh gosh, well, if letting, does letting go make me lazy? Does mm-hmm. it make me um, inadequate? Does it make me in less control? And I, I try and talk a lot about this to my clients where it's like, if you can just learn a little bit of self-trust, just a little bit over time, whether that's not measuring your, your breakfast or not counting macros for lunch or whatever that may be, just slowly trust in yourself. And the more you can do that, the more body intuition you have, the more you can really start honing in on what feels right for you. And that builds confidence. And over time, you're right. You're not going to, it's, you have to ask yourself, okay, how much mental energy am I spending obsessing about this? And if it's 80 or 90%, then, you know, that's an issue, right? So there's, and I, I love it though, that the tarot reading said, you know, okay, where else can you put this energy? And that's so true. I, I couldn't agree it with was, more with it that. It was so simple too, you know? No, but But then I like just started sticks. replacing, you know, mm-hmm. like heavy weightlifting, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't like doing it by myself. Sure. And I would do that and I have programs and mm-hmm. doing yoga or walking on the mm-hmm. belt line or, or yeah. whatever felt a lot better. But I, I want you to pause for a second on body intuition of what that means. You want me to tell you what I think it means? Is that Please. what you're saying? Yes. I think body intuition is really, I think kind of piggybacking off what I just said is really about self-trust asking yourself, what is it that I need at this time? What is it that Allison needs? What is it that Kim needs? And if you can just sit and be with that without all the chaos and shutting that down and not relying on everybody else to make decisions for you, you can slowly start to tap into that because our bodies are so freaking smart. It's our heads that get in the way. Our bodies are constantly communicating, constantly. I have so many clients that struggle a lot with gut issues and you wonder why? Well, it's because in their head, there's so much perpetual anxiety. And so your, your vagus nerve, which sits, you know, behind the base of your neck, that's correlated with your digestive system. And so when you have women that are constantly in this fight or flight, or they're having these, these bloating issues, extension, constipation, which is super common, a lot of them have very, very high anxiety. And so it's also so correlated. It's fascinating, but the body is always talking to us. It's just our brains that sometimes we just have to turn off. 
So one of the differentiators that I think is amazing for you in the marketplace, marketplace is that even what it's called? Oh, that's fine. You can call it whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> and something that I have experienced and I've gone down this path as well is that you specialize in metabolic and hormone resetting mm -hmm. and that you won't work with any client unless they work with the, wait they have panels done what is it yeah. tell me so they yeah but i think this Blood is work. so incredibly they important have to. Yeah. yes i will not because um i feel like this is where a lot of people can go astray where they will hire these coaches online and these coaches are like all right we're going to put you on this macro plan we're going to have you do this workout plan and it's so cookie cutter and so you might have a client let's say that there is a woman who is really struggling with her weight she just she kind of just blew up pretty quick she can't figure out what's going on she's still trying to do the high intensity she's training every day she's eating less and less but she's still gaining weight well if a, a normal coach let's say doesn't do blood work or doesn't look behind the scenes and lift that hood to see what's going on they'll continue to push her to do that program and then they're going to get frustrated and want to throw in the towel versus okay, well, let's see why you're gaining the weight. Let's see why these things are happening. Let's lift up the hood, dig around and see what we can, what we can fix. And a lot of times these women might have very high cortisol. Mm -hmm. They might have adrenal issues. They have very, their CRP, which is their inflammation markers are completely elevated. They have very low vitamin D, which causes inflammation. You know, so there's a whole host of things that we, that a lot of the trainers don't even look at to begin with. So you're kind of just throwing shots in the dark and people are just wasting their money. Yes, it's more expensive in the beginning to get your labs done. Yet long term, it is going to benefit you so much more rather than just guessing if that makes sense. So how did you get involved with that? How, yeah. did, how did your business evolve to include that? Because I think it mm -hmm. is critical. And I think it's kind of speaks to how broken our healthcare system is. Yes. That doctors, oh, don't even get me started on that. Girl, yes. I'm with you. But I, I know that doctors are not even trained to read. No. Some of the, the full They're blood work, correct. just the lipid blood work. So I think it's important from an education standpoint to understand the value of a functional medicine doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, and what that means. So please share your experience. Sure, sure. So after my eating disorder and after I got well with the food and I was regulating that and the exercise and stuff, I still felt off, like something didn't feel right. And I know for a lot of women, if, if you're out there and you're and you know, something's wrong, like, you know, deep down, you went to the doctor and they're saying, well, just exercise more and eat less or, you know, no, I'm so tired, like something doesn't feel right. Well, it's just your age or it's just this. No, when you know something's off, please listen to that and don't negate that back to the body intuition piece. Mm -hmm. Really listen to that. I think for, for myself, I, I feel like I'm kind of this, um, I don't want to say a punching bag, but I like to kind of view it as I've gone through all this and, and so I'll take it, I'll take it on and I'll work my way through it and find ways to get better. And then I can share it with everybody else. So I've gone through this. I, I, my, my thyroid was super whacked and I was going to endocrinologists and having all my labs done. They're like, no, you're fine. I'm like, no, I don't feel fine. So I finally started researching and I found some local doctors that were willing to dig deeper and the, they did an entire thyroid panel versus just just the TSH and the T4. You have your reverse T3, your, your free what is T3. That? What is T3? So huh. you have two different parts of your thyroid. You have your T3 and your T4. And so um, there's a medication called Synthroid, which is super popular. It's like one of the most popular drugs in the country um, is, is specific, specifically for T4 conversion, which is part of your thyroid. So you have a lot of women that will go to the endocrinologist and the doctor will run the TSH, which which is, and, and that is very broad. That's your thyroid stimulating hormone. And that panel is super broad. So you could be symptomatic. You could be gaining weight. You could be tired. You could be having all these things. But if you fit in that broad range, the doctor's going to say, no, you're fine. So that's why so many people get frustrated. But let's say that your T4 is off. Okay. So they'll put you on Synthroid and it might work temporarily, but then you see women still struggling. So they start getting really tired again. They start gaining weight again. And it's because 
because the T3, there, there's nothing helping the T3. So you need to be on a medication, whether it's called like nature thyroid or armor thyroid um, or armor thyroid, which converts T3 and T4. Um, some of us like myself, I have to be on T4 and T3 medication. And that was a game changer. The T3, it was a game changer for me because no, even your endocrinologist, they will not give you T3. It's really just more functional medicine type based people. And, and a lot of the endocrinologists don't know how to read an entire thyroid panel. Mm. They're just taught a certain portion of that. And 99% of them know nothing about nutrition. So why is it, why now? Mm -hmm. Why is it coming out now? I think because we're, we're freaking smart and we know that like, okay, if I'm not going to find the answer through you, I'm going to go somewhere else. And I think with, I mean, you know, you can say it's a blessing and a curse, but the internet, you can, you can dig and you can see that there's other resources you can, you can access. Um, the one thing I do not recommend is if you are symptomatic in any way, don't do a Google research because if you are having thyroid issues, it'll probably say that you're about to die. You know, if you Google it all, which, you know, I mean, it's so extreme. Right. So, you know, don't start taking all these supplements and start doing all these things because you read it on the internet. You need to get your labs done first and foremost. So back to your question, the reason why I really implemented this is because I believe in the whole health approach. It's not just fitness. It's not just nutrition. You have to look at the entire person. So what are, what's going on with their hormones? How are they sleeping? Where's their stress level? How are they digesting food? I mean, people say, okay, you are what you eat, but a lot of it is you are what you absorb. We're all so genetically different. And some of us respond very well to eggs where other of us, uh, others of us can't have eggs or some of us get super bloated when we drink kombucha where it's the super food, right? But then you have others that are like, no, diehard kombucha. Um, so everyone is so different. And, yeah. and that's why I'm so specific about customization. I'll, I'll do these programs that are more group based. Um, but I'm always like, please get labs and I'll resource them out for that. Um, but I'm super selective about my one-on-one -on -one clients just cause I invest so much time and so much energy that I only take a small, a small portion each month, if that, because it's, it's a lot of my time. So I, I don't just take anybody with that. That's amazing. I think, yeah. I truly think that part is culture changing. Yeah. That the more focus, the more you have. I know in Atlanta, you have Dr. Taz from Center Spring mm -hmm. is, is a well-known mm -hmm. uh, functional medicine doctor and there's several others. Mm -hmm. And I think it's growing. Yeah. I'm hopeful that it's growing. God help us if if insurance could cover some I of know, that. I know, I know. Would be a huge thing. I think it would change everything. But I, I appreciate what you're doing on that. And I, I shared this with you before, but I went on a closed Facebook group mm -hmm. and I thought I have this, you know, really popular health coach coming on. Mm -hmm. What are some questions you would like to know about nutrition and health fitness? So mm -hmm. can we play a game of fact oh my or gosh, fiction? Totally. Let's be do so it. fun. Okay. Yay. All right. Uh, let's talk about fitness myths and facts. What about uh, when you're working out? Can you isolate body parts? Can you say, you know what? I really need a, I really want a butt. I really want a butt. Right. Okay. So, so here's the deal with that. You can't, if you're trying to target like specific body parts or shape certain body parts, a lot of people correlate this with abs or a booty, right? Yes. So people think, oh, okay, I can do crunches all day long and get a six pack. No, that comes from your diet and how you eat. So you can have a booty and you can have, uh, you know, a better shaped stomach. A lot of it comes down to you can't target specific body parts. It's all encompassing. So when you look at people that you might think, wow, they, you know, they, they have like really good biceps or their shoulders are really defined. A lot of it is because their body fat's a little bit lower. Um, or, you know, you have women that are lifting a little bit heavier weight, so they might have a bigger booty and they might be in a little bit of a calorie increase. So their booty's going to look juicy. So, you know, you can't just, I, I think it's a misconception to think, oh, if I just do 200 squats every day, then my booty is going to get big. I mean, it, it can grow and it can perk, but there's, it's so much more than that. You have to look at what you're eating. You have to make sure I'm honestly, I'm a component of full body more like, I, I mean, I'm not a big word on functional training, but I do think it needs to be the type of training where it's full body and you're, you're working multiple, uh, muscle groups at the same time. 
rather than just spotting. Such a good answer. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. What about do calories really matter? Yep. Good question. So yes, they do. Um, you know, here's the deal with that. So, uh, I'll be perfectly candid. I'm, I don't know if you should, I even be saying this. I'm not a fan of, um, of Weight Watchers or point counting just because for me, yes, that's a calorie thing yet. You can maybe say, okay, well, I'm going to allow 22 points today or 1200 calories today, but you could be eating three Snickers bars and that could be 1200 calories. So, so much of it is what you put in your body. I can tell you what I have found time and time again with my clients that have been in a restrictive state between 1,200, 1,500 calories. They start eating one or two things and they feel like they blow up super quick. My whole thing is 80% eat high quality foods. So I'm talking healthy fats. Ladies, do not be afraid of healthy fat. I can tell you that will totally screw your hormones. So do not be afraid of the fat. You need it for your hormones. You need it just for your endocrine system. You need it overall, hair, skin, nails. So, so healthy fats, avocado, avocado, coconut oil, flaxseed, um, you know, full fat yogurt if you can do it, uh, you know, grass-fed beef, whole eggs, um, dark meat chicken. Uh, that's huge. And that's going to help with inflammation too. What women wonder, okay, well, why do I feel so puffy or why do I feel inflamed? A lot of it can be, you might not be getting enough essential fats. Um, so, so to me, I'm not a big calorie counter. Uh, I feel like it can lead to a bit of obsession. However, I think sometimes women need it just to check themselves. So they know how big their portions actually are. Um, I say, Look at your plate and 50% be vegetables, make it bright, make it colorful, then have your protein, then have some healthy fats. And then if you exercise that day, or you feel like you might've burned a little bit more than you normally do have some carbohydrates. Like I just, I feel like it needs to be balanced. And the more we hone in on the calorie number, the more obsessive I think it's going to be. So calories matter, but to a certain extent. Yeah, that makes sense too. And so this one, uh, <laughs> eating carbs after workout or eating carbs at certain times. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I do believe that eating carbs after a workout. Um, okay. So there's this whole thing for a while where it's like optimize in 45. So it meant, okay, what? you have to optimize <laughs> and you have to eat your food within 45 minutes after mm. you work out. So now that's kind of that, that's kind of gone out the window. So you after workouts, yes, you are still burning quite a bit. So you could probably, you could eat more carbohydrates after a workout. Plus you're replenishing your glycogen stores. So you need that for muscle repair, muscle rebuilding. Um, but I also think if you want carbs at dinner, you want to have rice with dinner, then there's no issue with that. I found some women that they do well with carbs at night. I do. I eat carbs every night. They do well at carbs at night. They help them sleep better. Um, they don't feel as ornery and crabby in the morning. Um, I don't, I'm not a fan of, okay, don't have carbs after five. Don't, all it is, is just like, I just, I feel like it's nonsense. I just calorie, uh, carbs are good after workouts. Yes. Cause they help replenish, but eat if you're hungry, you don't have to like force yourself to do it. I don't know if that answered the question. It does. And I think for me, when I think of carbs, mm -hmm. I, when I eat, like if I eat bad carbs, I'm like on a mission. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, right? Like if I have a chip, I'm like going for it. Yes. So here's the deal with that. And I, I tell my clients to do this as well, is really hone in with your cravings. So there's two things with carbohydrates. So we crave carbs when we're sleep deprived, uh, when we, when we need that energy and we crave carbs when we're stressed and when stress can even be from exercising too much. So mm. prime example, when I was training hours on end cardio only, I kept gaining weight and I was, is because I was so dang hungry. I would eat dinner and then I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to have a protein bar. Okay. I'm going to have cereal. Okay. I'm going to have peanut butter and crackers. Okay. I'm going to, so it's check yourself. Like if you notice your cravings are really elevated and you can't stop eating and you want carbs, look at your sleep, look at your stress. Like, okay, what can you be doing to modify some of those things? That's really important. And then also look at some of your trigger foods. If you notice that with dinner, you're eating, um, say a big sweet potato. And then after that, you want more sugar and you want more sugar after the, after that pay attention to that. That means that, okay, 
maybe I don't need as many. Maybe I can get away with eating a little bit more fat so it doesn't set me off and it's not a trigger food for more carbohydrates, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. a chocolate alcoholic too. So I have oh, to like, girl. St- I have to not start. So I only eat like dark chocolate and I'll leave it. Mm-hmm. It's actually those Bam Body Nutrition. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> those protein treats. Right. Yes, for sure. So, so I'll eat, I'll save all of it until after dinner and I'll mm-hmm. have that. And it, oh, it's just so good. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So cardio mm-hmm. or weight training? Both. <laughs> both. Okay. You have to have both. And, and you know, it, it's not fair. I think some coaches I notice are like so die hard. No, you can't do any cardio. No, don't lift more than three pound weights. No, don't do this. That. So much of it too is what do you enjoy, right? Because whatever you jo- enjoy is what you're going to stay consistent with. And consistency outbeats perfection any day. So you have to ask, okay, well, what is it that I enjoy? If you like to lift weights and freaking go lift weights. If you want to change your physique though, you're going to have to lift weights and you're going to have to get breathless and you're going to have to get sweaty and you're going to have to push if you want physique change. If you want just for health reasons, walking and stuff is great. I think doing a bit of everything is ideal. So going for walks. Um, I, I honestly, I've never really gotten into yoga. I just can't do it. So my yoga is my walks outside. So walks are great to help reduce your cortisol. So women that might be training really hard or doing endurance type training or hit classes, take a breather, you know, the next day, go for a long walk. That'll reduce your cortisol and that'll bring your stress levels down. So walks are great. Um, I would not recommend high intensity training more than twice a week max. Um, I love doing full body strength, uh, lifting as heavy as you can without compromising your form. Women, we can typically lift five or 10 pounds more than we think we can. Um, and yeah, like doing some, some steady state cardio, like going for a jog or, you know, that's great for our heart, you know? So I, I think there's just such a misconception that, oh gosh, we're going to burn through all our muscle if we do cardio or, oh my gosh, it's, you know, we can't do this or it's going to make us bulky. And that's where I think where it gets just so convoluted and we get that super was the next question was, yes. you know, if I lift heavy, I'm going to get bulky. No, it's so much of that comes down to your visceral fat. So if someone is on your the what fat visceral, so it's what is the that? fat outside your muscle. Okay. So if someone is more on the heavier side and they're lifting heavy weights, they're going to feel more bulky because they have more body fat. Whereas if someone is trying to, um, that might be, um, say at a normal weight and they want to start lifting, you're gonna, they're, everyone's going to feel a little bit inflamed in the beginning, especially because once you start any type type of strength training workout routine and you're just starting it, your body's going to hold water because you're damaging your muscle and it's trying to repair. But I promise you, and that's why I do not have my clients get on the scale when they first start working with me. Cause they're like, this scale went up. But I'm like, how are your clothes fitting? Like how, but how good does your butt look in those jeans right now? So I think it's <laughs> an important question. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I think with weight training, do not get on the scale. The first few months you do it, you're going to feel a little bit swollen because your body's holding water, but you're going to drop it. You just have to stay consistent with it. But a big piece of it is yes, how you are, how you are eating. And it doesn't mean you have to starve yourself, just a little slight deficit. And I'm not saying a slight deficit where it's 1200 calories a day, because that is not enough food. I feel like if I didn't have these mics, I would be jumping up and down uh, with joy because <laughs> I, I can't believe that you're just firing these off um, for me. Okay, so um, this one is a big one. And I, I actually had a lot of feedback on this. What sure. about changing your workouts in your 40s? Yeah, so that's a good question too. Um, I do, again, I feel like our hormones are constantly changing, especially as we're in our 40s, that we're going through perimenopause. Some of us are going through menopause already. Um, So our workouts do have to change. And what we are able to do in our 20s, we can't do in our 40s. We have to accept that, that we can't crush every day and it's gonna take longer for our bodies to recover. Um, I'm, again, kind of a component of the full body um, strength training. I find that so essential, especially for my clients that are going through the perimenopause that are going through menopause. They need that for their bone density. Um, so full body strength is really important. Walks outside again, just to, for that, that, that nourishment and those happy neurotransmitters to be outside. Um, I, I don't feel that long hours of cardio is going to do women in their forties any favors, 
Muscle is expensive. Muscle is hard to maintain. So muscle is going to keep you leaner. It's going to keep you fitter and it's going to be, it's constantly going to be keeping your metabolism elevated. So the more muscle you have, the more you can get away with eating certain things and um, feeling stronger and feeling leaner and tighter. So muscle's expensive. Don't forget that. So don't burn through it by doing hours on end of cardiovascular training. Oh, that's so good. And so I had a lot of people asking about PCOS, which mm-hmm. is polycystic ov- yes. ov- ovarian syndrome, mm-hmm. ovary syndrome, mm-hmm. um, and asking they have to change up everything from the hormone yes. side of things yes. and metabolism. So what is your guidance on that? Yeah, such a great question. And I feel for the women that that, that struggle with that because it's, it's, it's not fun. Um, so I'm glad that whoever is struggling with PCOS is finally getting some answers because um, a lot of women that struggle with PCOS have androgen issues. So they have higher testosterone. They might be breaking out around their chin area. Um, they tend to hold weight a bit more. They, they're a little bit more carb sensitive. Um, their insulin issues are off a little bit, a little bit more insulin um, sensitive. So what I have found with some of my clients, metformin, um, which is a medication works well um, for women with PCOS, strength training, a big one for women with PCOS. I actually um, just finished with a client. She had gained quite a bit of weight because she found out she has PCOS and she's really struggling to get it off, but she was super consistent with her strength training and she's, she looks great. She's done, uh, come a long way with that. Um, and then also, um, really trying to watch the sugar that's important for women with PCOS, because again, the insulin sensitivity, they're a little bit more sensitized to carbohydrates. So don't, it's not, I wouldn't deprive yourself of carbs, have them after the workouts, but strength training, some type of, um, if you want to, if they can go on metformin. Um, so speaking with the doctor on that, um, managing their blood sugar. So making sure they're getting enough protein and essential fats, um, and trying to watch all the processed sugars. This is so good. No good. <laughs> good. I'm so excited for this. Um, and this, I'll, I, I can go on forever, but yeah. I have one more. Of so course. intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. keto, Whole30, all mm-hmm. of the, the fad diets. What yeah. are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So in a nutshell, if you look at intermittent fasting, paleo, keto, whatever, Whole30, here's the way you got to look at it. All of it, you're still going to be in a calorie deficit. So if someone has coming off eating hamburgers and pizza and hot dogs all the time and they go to Whole30, sure, they're going to probably lose weight because they're eating less calories and they're eating more nutrient-dense foods. Um, let's say someone is like, okay, but intermittent fasting works for me. Well, it works for you because you're eating a smaller amount of calories in a smaller window. Um, so if you look at all of those diets lined up, the common theme with all of them is you're just going to be eating less calories. So it's not about what Sarah down the street is doing. It's not about what I'm doing. It's about what feels good for you. So you have to ask yourself, okay, just because so-and-so did keto and they lost weight, is that going to work for me? Maybe, maybe not. You have to try it, but you have to look at the longevity of it. Mm. Again, going back to the consistency, you're much better off finding ways and maybe taking bits and pieces of those different programs and implementing specifically for you so you can stay consistent with it. Because one thing I see over and over again is women constantly jumping to the next thing and they get frustrated that they're not seeing results. And it's like, well, you got to give it more than two weeks and you can't go from this to this to this. You, you got, your body has to learn to trust that okay, you're feeding it properly. And what is your own unique tendencies? Like what's your own genetic makeup? What is your own food tendencies? If you don't freaking like broccoli, you don't have to eat it. Like if you, you know, so I I think, um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of any of it. I think, if it works for you, then please do it. You know, and I I think it goes back to the very beginning of that body intuition. There's times where um, I'll intermittent fast, not intentionally, but, but because I ate a super heavy meal the night before and I'm just not hungry. So I might eat it like 11 the next day. Um, So again, I think over time you learn to trust yourself more. But if I can just offer any advice, just really start paying attention to what feels good to you, not what is working for somebody else. Cause we are all so different. So and that's different. so powerful too, because we, you know, are expected to eat breakfast in the morning, lunch in the afternoon, maybe have a mid morning and mid afternoon mm-hmm. snack and dinner in the evening. 
But I wonder if the body intuition of just listening to that could actually change the rhythms of how your body's processing food mm-hmm. by listening versus, oh, it's time to eat versus exactly. I'm freaking starving. Right. Know? And that's the thing too. And like, I think a lot of us get afraid to feel hunger. I have some women that are petrified of being hungry and I used to be that way too. I thought, oh my gosh, if I'm hungry, that means I'm going to binge and start eating all these bad things. And it's actually like, no, hunger is a good thing. It's cueing you that you're ready to eat. Um, and then, you know, there's some women that need to eat more consistently because they know they might've had disordered eating where they they could go all day and not have any hunger cues anymore. So, um, and then the whole thing about eating every three to four hours to boost your metabolism, that's bullshit too. It is bullshit. It is. So now they're saying that you, you want to give your body time to process the food, to digest the food and let your gut and digestive system have some time out. So going longer periods of time without eating, unless you feel like you need it for blood sugar regulation, Mm but, um, giving more space for your gut to heal better. Um, That's now coming out too. So do you ever get concerned that you might slip back? You know, I have at times, um, but I check myself all the time. Um, And how do you keep yourself in check? And when you know that it's looming back there as as a possibility, I mean, it's like an addict's behavior. For sure, for sure. So I instantly ask myself, okay, if I'm feeling this way, so a couple different things, and I used this before, I, I have a few skills. And so women, you can use this. So if I'm feeling really tired, if I'm about to have my period or hormonal, um, if I am, um, if I didn't get enough to eat sometime, or if I didn't get my movement in or exercise, all of those things make me more vulnerable and set me up for, um, feeling more insecure about myself, um, feeling, cause you know, when we're tired and we're, you know, around our period or we're hungry, we just get kind of wah, like whiny a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I check myself with that. I'm like, okay, am I having these thoughts because I'm sleep deprived? or I didn't do this, this, or this. So I check myself with that. Um, And then if the answer is I've done all those things, I look at, okay, well, what's going on behind it? What am I trying to avoid? So if I'm fixated on, well, I need to lose a bit, a, a little bit more weight. Okay, well, what's going on? Am I ignoring a difficult conversation I have to have with my husband so it's easier to fixate on the weight? Or is it, you know, something else? And a lot of times I'm able to pinpoint it right away. And so I'm, I know for me that I, I, I'm okay with where I am and that if I go back down that road, it won't ever be enough. So why even start? Why even do it? And I'm so fulfilled, like I want to cry because I'm so fulfilled in my life and my mission and what I want to do that going back there isn't an option because it takes me away from what I love doing. Well, it sounds like you created this joyful life too, you know, out of that, that you probably wouldn't have been able to create otherwise. Yeah. I'm still fascinated and trying to figure out like how on your website, it says that you have, you help women create a life that's obsession free Mm -hmm. and fun and Mm -hmm. healthy. Mm -hmm. How do you eliminate the obsession when it is so prevalent out there? It's a journey and it, And to be perfectly honest, it's about expectations and managing your expectations because I have a lot of women that think, okay, I've gone through this my entire life. I've been dealing with this for 15 years. So working with you in two months, that means it's going to be gone. No, Mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way. It's an ongoing process. And um, a lot of it is the environment you're in, what you've been subjected to, who you're still surrounding yourself with. That's a big one. You look at other addicts, right? You look mm-hmm. at drug addicts that when they get sober, they can't be around certain people because it triggers them. Um, you know, so that's a piece of it. Um, and then looking at really diving in and again, looking under the hood and getting to the root of why are they so fixated and where did they lose their self-esteem along the way? So really helping them identify their own sense of worthiness outside of it just being about the body, because no one's going to look at you on your deathbed and say, damn, you know what? She had like 8% body fat. (laughs) I loved her for that. They're going to say she was a great person. You know what I mean? I mean, so I, 
I don't know if the obsession ever fully goes away. I think there's a way in which you can manage it though. And that comes with managing your expectations and it's a journey. And I've had clients for months and we're still working through it. And um, some do well, some need to come back. Some, I recommend treatment centers that I'm just not the right person. They need more therapeutic mm-hmm. intervention. Do you feel like a therapist at times? Absolutely. That, that has to be part of your, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Your, um, your contribution in this, mm-hmm. because I, I, I can't, I can't even think about my health and wellness and I can tell you all day long, I love being healthy and I mm-hmm. do, I, I yeah. love working out. I like, absolutely. Um, you know, I like eating healthy, but mm-hmm. I am completely obsessed with how I am looking. Mm-hmm. It's just a nice byproduct that I feel really good too. Mm-hmm. And I, I say that not as me. I, I mean, I am pretty vain, but I appreciate you saying um, that, but I, I so appreciate <laughs> you saying that, but I say that cause I know I'm not alone and I no. know it's all around us. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the moment we're born as as females, yes, you know, with expectations to look and to be a certain way and to be mm-hmm. demure and to be fit and to be, you know, superwoman and all mm-hmm. of these things. And it they're just such unfair expectations mm-hmm. that I think that the height of Instagram mm-hmm. is actually bringing the curtain down. Yeah. And that vulnerability, that authenticity that mm-hmm. you bring to the table and that several other people are bringing down where they just kind of clear the playing field and mm-hmm. allow people to say it's okay. Yes. You know, and and one of the things that I noticed about you and your post is you, uh, you extend a lot of grace. And that I think is what draws people to you. Mm. And I think that's how you feel. You probably mm-hmm. find your clients and people find value in your contributions because you do have a lot of grace of just... You know, if you're feeling like shit today, go outside. Yeah. Go outside, whatever it is. And there's nothing wrong with feeling like shit. Yeah. It's not like put the spoon down (laughs) ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll I'll ask you this question. Sure. Knowing what you know, Mm -hmm. and you're in a very, uh, a field that is very popular, and there are a lot of different opinions, Mm -hmm. a lot of different beliefs. What do you know that you wish people knew? Oh, the the first thing that comes to my mind is know their own self-worth, know that they have all the answers within them and that deep down they, they just need to tap into it. And sure, they're going to probably need resources or people to help them dig that out um, or get to the, the bottom of some of the stuff they're going through at a quicker time. But I, I think people, if what I wish they would know is just, that they they're so powerful and they have all the answers within themselves. They just need to trust it. I'm assuming that a community is part of what you bring to the table as mm-hmm. well through your programs. Cause you said you do some individual, but you do mm-hmm. a lot of group training too. Yeah. I, I've worked with programs like that, that have made a huge difference where mm-hmm. you can connect with other people and that's how we elevate each other. Yes, Right. I actually think the community is, is where the future of progress I agree mm-hmm. is not just us in our box, just trying to punch out and be superwoman. Yeah. It's not, um, it doesn't work that way. It's not fair either. It's not in females. We need a place to vent. We need a place, a safe place to share and not feel judged because we're judged all day long. So we need a place where we can open up and say, you know what? I'm actually really struggling right now. I'm about had it with my partner and I, you know, I, I feel super gross and, you know, I mean, we, ha- we have to have a place because I think it's very easy to get caught up in all the minutia of, oh my God, you look so cute. I love your dress, which is fine. Yet you have to have your safe tribe. You have mm-hmm. to have those people that you can say, all right, can we go get a drink or something? I've, I've had a really <laughs> hard day. Yeah. So what is next for you? You know, um, what does success look gosh. like to you? Oh, I'm already there. Like I already feel it's success to me is um, living my authentic self and being able to do stuff like this, being able to meet with you, people like you. Um, I already, I already feel successful because I know that I've been able to help women, which is very important for me. What's next for me? I think that's just a work in progress. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. I think part of it is is um, one of the things you had mentioned is having that creative outlet. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it unfolds as you take the steps, you know, like the it next does. step is illuminated once you take yeah. the yeah. next step. So that sounds like what it is. So how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, that's so nice. Um, so a lot of people can find me on Instagram. It's Kim.Shaper, S-C-H-A-P-E-R. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Same thing. Kim Shaper um, website www.kimshaper.com. Yeah, that's probably the best way to find me. I should probably mention what are those services that you offer? Yeah, no, great <laughs> we question. We probably could have backed up. I oh, know it's all good, you know? So um, I do a couple different things. So um, I did um, like a, a four-week hormone reset program, which was great. So women had a better understanding about what's going on with their hormones. That'll be ongoing because I think so many women struggle with that. Um, and then right now I'm doing a metabolic reset. So a lot more talking about, um, I think some people get thinking, oh gosh, fat loss is bad or changing my physique is bad. It's not. It's about where you're coming from in that place with, okay, are you solely basing your identity off of that? If the answer is no, then it's fine. Um, so I, I've had a lot of women in the hormone group want to try the metabolic reset. How do we know which one is which? Yeah. So the, the hormonal program, that's done for right now. So the metabolic reset program starts on Monday. Um, but the, the metabolism one is more about learning about your metabolism, specific foods that will work best for you. Um, exercises, um, just again, a lot about nutrition mindset. I have guest experts coming in, which is important for me too. Um, and then I also have a, uh, a free Facebook group. It's called balancing hormones naturally. You can go there. I post there a couple times a week and then I've got like five Facebook groups. <laughs> and then I have another Facebook group, which was my, my starter, my baby, and it's called shaper coaching. And that's a fitness group. And I post like nutrition and they have access to a membership portal where they get new monthly workouts every month. And the community is really vibrant in there. They love it. So that's Kinda, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But the best way to find me and questions and all of that is definitely like on Instagram or email. They can personally email me at Kim at Kim And I'd love to help in any way that I can. Well, Kim Shaper, you are a culture changer. Thank you so oh, much for being so here today. This is so fun. So fun. And I think you, I think you did such a great job. I think people will really learn a lot. Oh, good. Thank Yay. you. You're welcome. My <laughs> pleasure. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Kim Shaper. I'll tell you, her joyful energy is so contagious and our chat was jam-packed with useful information. If you'd like to connect with her or look into her coaching programs, I've linked her info in the show notes. If you liked what you heard today, I'd love to hear from you. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Little Left of Center. And if you care about the topic, please share. As always, thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.